You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everyone, to Token Theater Friends. I am so happy to be talking to all of you today. It's Women's History Month, and it's an honor for me as a cis male to be spending my time talking about the incredible work that all of you do. So thank you, really, for doing this. Um, That we can get started by talking about seven minutes. So can you tell me a little bit about what seven minutes is and for the actors, who do you play in the play? I guess I could launch it off. I'm Anne Teo, I use the she pronouns. And um, Seven Minutes is a play written by Stefano Massini, who also wrote the Lehman trilogy. It was commissioned by Waterwell. So this is the first time this play is going to be heard in English. And we're landing it here in the United States. And the premise of it is, is really a powder keg. Um, 10 women are waiting in a break room. Their factory had been bought over by foreign investors. They don't know what's going to happen. Um, They are not sure if they still have a job. They're not sure if they still have health insurance. They're not sure if their shifts have been cut. And so they wait with anxiety. And when finally the representative, the spokesperson comes back, Linda, um, they ask her what, what, what is the case? And she says, you know, have it, ha- is the factory going to close down? No, the factory not going to close down. Um, are we going to lose this? No, you're going to not lose this. The only thing that will change is this one condition and that our 15 minute break will be cut by seven minutes. And the play really takes off from there. So it is a play that is about collective action and all the things that thwart us towards collective action. It is a play that's like really looking at these incredible 11 characters and their lives. And, and it is, it's not as much about ideas as about realities. The realities of workers, the realities of all of us who have to use our hands and bodies to make a living and what, what it goes through. And so that, that's just uh, from my perspective. I'm going to pass it to Ebony, who plays Linda, the spokesperson. Yes. Hello, Ebony Marshall Oliver here. I, um, as Mayan said, I played Linda in the play. Linda is the spokesperson. Linda is the person who was in the meeting with um, the suits as they are called. This play is about 
uh, collective action and what does it mean to to really go deeper in like what what are they really asking what do they really want they say seven minutes but Really, is that all there is? Let's really think about, you know, what what seven minutes might mean in the bigger picture. Hi, my name is Nicole Ansari. I, um, I play uh, an Iranian immigrant uh, called Mahtab. Um, Mahtab is a highly skilled worker in the factory, very proud of her work. Um, she came uh, to the United States uh, a little over a decade ago, and she really is the voice of those who just want to hold on to the job. So she is, um, I, you know, I don't want to give anything away, so um, she, she, she says little in the beginning of the play, and there comes a point where she can't hold it any longer. So there's a little bit uh, of a shift happening in strategy to make sure that we don't lose our jobs. Um, I'm originally, uh, uh, I'm, I'm German-Iranian-American, and um, uh, this character is, has become really dear to my heart. Although she has very little uh, to do with me personally, there's something about this character that is just, I don't know, has gotten into me. And I'm gonna pass it on to Jojo. Hi, um, I'm Jojo Brown uh, and I play Jordan in seven minutes. Um, Jordan is, She's very serious. Uh, she's, she's one of the weavers in the factory and she doesn't care about things that she doesn't know about. And she doesn't know about things she doesn't care about. And uh, she very much likes to have work be work and life be life separate from that. And doesn't like to think very hard. Um, but in the events of this play, all of these women um, are in a situation where on a time crunch, they're grappling with a very hard false, sort of false choice that they've been given um, from the people who have power uh, in, in their factory. And a lot of conflict arises um, and all of these women are coming from, from different places, uh, whether that be different places in the world or different places spiritually and emotionally um, and it really, I feel, is about how taking care of a collective that you're a part of benefits everybody, it benefits you as an individual, um, and it's about that sort of fight between taking care of yourself as an individual and, and your collective. Previous start on the 17th, so uh, obviously, other than the people involved, no one has seen the play yet. But reading the play, I got the impression that it's almost like a ticking bomb of a thing. And I felt that 
if someone had given me like the actual paper script, I did feel like, oh God, this is going to explode at any moment. I wonder, May Anne, if that is the way that you approached it as a director. Uh, thanks for that question. I felt the same when I received it. I, I, I was just at the edge of like my bed. <laughs> you know, I just remember like reading and then going, oh, what is going to happen? What's happening here? What will, what will be there? And I want to say that when I first read it, I was going through um, uh, 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 directing at, at, a, a, at a place that was going through a lot of problems and um, um, that actually subsequently shut down because I left the, the, the production. And the reason why I was able to leave that production in a very toxic environment um, was because when I read this play, I started to ask myself the same questions and it, the play started to actually work inside of me. Like that ticking bomb started to actually work inside of me of like, what are we really doing? What are we standing up for? Who do we, like, like I'm the director. If I leave, what happens to the actors? But maybe I need to actually be able to say, if I can leave, you can too, right? Like, what is it about our decisions that we make ourselves that can affect the whole? And I think that uh, that was actually the first thing that happened inside of me of what does it mean for us? To, so I think that that is actually core to what I was interested in for the group. That like, what does it actually mean to us? What are the stakes for you? And, and all of the, the complicated things that we have to grapple as human beings when we make any decision in our lives. Any decision that we make can and will affect so many other people, not just our families, not just our, our colleagues, but beyond that. And we can see that playing out in the world right now. You know, we're, we're in World War III. That's actually happening right now. And all of that comes from small decisions that grow into big decisions. Um, so I think that that is actually, I think, the core of that. And I, I do think that, like, yes, the tension's high because the stakes start high and then they get higher. The stakes are high and then they get higher. Um, I, I just want to tune in there because um, when I read the play, I immediately knew I wanted to be part of it. And, um, and luckily I had a friend who knew Mayanne, so she was raving about Mayanne. I was like, okay, I'm just going to put, put it out there and hope, you know, gladly uh, I, I, I got cast. I got offered um, a mahtab. When I uh, entered uh, the rehearsal room, it was within, I don't know, minutes that I felt I was in a room that was very special, that was uh, a true holding of a new paradigm shift in making theater, in making art. Uh, I knew we had at the helm Mayan, who was holding the room and giving space to everybody's needs without it becoming chaos, but actually with people voicing their needs. So that whole idea of, you know, I come from European theater tradition where the director is king and queen and where you basically like, like hope that you, your head doesn't get chopped off, you know? And um, I've worked in many different uh, places, so it's not always like that, but there is a sense of hierarchy that that is debilitating ultimately for the creative process. And about a year ago, 
I directed something and I um, was wanted to make sure and it was with all women that I, I, I wanted to try to, to direct it in a feminine flow in a way that is more embracing of everybody's needs and is more organic in nature. And I made the decision then and there, this is how I want to work. So this is the kind of work that I want to attract. And then this came and I'm in the room and literally like I have goosebumps just talking about it. I love every person in that room. It is astonishing. Like I pinch myself every day going to rehearsals and instead of feeling like, oh God, I'm five minutes late. They're, they're going to hate me and I'm unprofessional. I go, I don't want to be five minutes late because I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss the warm up. I don't want to miss the checking in with each other. Um, yeah. And I have a feeling that the audience will feel that bond that we've created um, off stage, on stage. With on stage, of course, there's tension, very, very different. It's not about loving each other. It's quite the opposite. But then they, there is this bond, and I, I, I think it's a big treat for people. Which to that, may I say, it's been such, I agree, it's been such a blessing to work with these people I'm truly obsessed with and inspired by everybody in this cast. And it's also, in that same regard, as an actor, been a challenge for that reason because we're not necessarily always very kind to each other or nice to each other in this play. Um, <laughs> so that's been, it's been quite challenging <laughs> to, to step into having such uh, conflict uh, each day that we're playing out on the stage uh, with people that I love so much. What really struck me about the play, uh, capitalism, does not value human bodies in the same way that it values profit. So when participating in capitalism, we're constantly asked, even in the tiniest of ways, to ignore the needs of our bodies. And when this play starts, it's, it's after a long, it's in the middle of a long work day for some people or after a long work day and Truly, we are, we are going through it. And the truth is, um, people who are often marginalized or minoritized really, really bear the brunt, not only of that expectation that will ignore our bodies for the needs of production, but that we will also save everybody who, who, who needs to be saved from that. And that really, this, this play has a cast of black and brown and Asian people, um, all, all women and gender non-conforming people in the cast. And originally the way it was written, that was not necessarily the writer's intent. It was based on um, a bunch of women in France, uh, French, mostly French women uh, with a few characters being from places outside of France. and. It was just, the piece itself was so exciting to me. Uh, and I knew that May Ann was directing it. And I know that May Ann does a lot of work with casts um, of predominantly 
black and brown and Asian and indigenous people and uh, women and trans people, a lot of casts with other trans people. So I was like, this is gonna be radical. This is gonna be awesome. And what a lovely, it's like, you know, I, I am here in the United States participating in capitalism, but to be able to sort of turn that and for audiences to be able to sort of see uh, the critique on that is, it's, it's exciting as an actor for me. Uh, what drew me to the play as I, as I read it, first of all, I, I read it from start to finish, like without taking a break. And normally I have way too much going on that I will start and stop and okay, I gotta fix dinner or I have to go do this or I have to do that. I didn't do that with this one. Actually, I take that back. I was actually on set when I got it. And I started and like after the first two pages, I was like, oh no, this needs, I need to sit with this one. This is not one that I can just look, you know, and like take a break. And, so at the end of, of my day, when I got back to my hotel, I opened my iPad and I read it from start to finish. And it excited me. And I was, I, I had all the same questions like with the characters as I was reading. I was like, it's seven minutes, y'all tripping. It's seven minutes. What are you and and it wasn't until you know I continued reading and I was like, oh shit. This is not what they say it is. Oh, they are getting over. And it then started, you know, making me think about this country that we live in and the things that are asked of us that seem simple. And they really aren't when you sit down and, and look at it for real and count the cost, what it's going to cost, not just monetarily, but like physically, emotionally, spiritually, what is it going to cost for this one little small thing, that small thing that you, you are asking of us. So that's what excited me about it. When I read about the play at this production, the first thing that I thought was, this is the kind of theater that was promised to us after the pandemic started, after Black Lives Matter, and after the murder of George Floyd, you know, led to a rightful uprising and people demanding that everyone has equal rights and that everyone is treated with dignity, respect, compassion, and kindness. However, in so many ways, theater and the arts in general have not really, you know, kept their promises. So for all of you as beings off the stage, what are some non-negotiables when you came back to work and you decided I am not going to let this happen to me anymore? For me, it was actually, um, I was offered um, uh, to do a Zoom reading um, of a play that, um, had at its heart um, some indigenous stories and, and, and characters. 
And um, <laughs> when I saw the cast list, they <laughs> it's, it makes me laugh because it was so ludicrous. A lot of them were really Anglo-Saxon. Um, and um, I mean, like really white. And, uh, you know, I said to the director, um, I don't understand, this play is not about Anglo-Saxons. Um, wh why did you cast, oh, these are wonderful actors. And, you know, you are our diversity. <laughs> and I said to her, I'm sorry, but I can't be part of this production. I can't. This is, this is, this is not right. This is not okay. And uh, the director really, like, she screamed at me and she said, you, you're going to turn this down just because? It's just on Zoom. And when we do the production, and I said, no, 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 no. The value and, and the way you set up something starts in a Zoom, starts before the Zoom, starts when you are reading something. And... Um, you know, and she accused me of being precious and of being this and that and and of calling her a racist. And I mean, it was ridiculous. But I thought, wow, this is really, really embarrassing that people, you know, like it. Yes, it was done at, at one point in history. That was normal. It was never OK. But it was normal. It was the norm. But um, we are at a point, um, uh, and I love that this is happening, where it's about true visibility and, and equity. And I'm so excited to be part of it. Yeah. For me, coming back after, after all of those events, and and COVID and and all of the things. I was fortunate enough to um, come back into a space where um, I got to be a part of telling a story about Black people from our perspective without any kind of input from anyone else not associated with our perspective and how and how we just exist in our bodies and exist in in the United States in our bodies and i i'm i'm interested in being able to just be in my body and operate how I operate based on how I've had to operate in this country and it not be questioned. And I can, you know, and, and we can just, we can just be, and, and I don't have to explain my being. And one of the things that I am so thrilled about with this production and what specifically and what Mayanne, the room that Mayanne has created for us is that we are all allowed to just be. 
and not have to explain our being. We're just, we're just being. And 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 we're all we're all from different different backgrounds. And it's a it's a beautiful, it's a stew. It's not a melting pot. It's a stew. Because when you make a stew, you still know that you have a carrot. That's a carrot. That's a potato. They still taste and they still function as what they are, but they are together in this stew. And so I am excited about this stew and I'm excited about being, when this is over, being in other spaces where it is a stew and we don't, we can all be different because that's, that's what makes us thrive because we can learn from everyone. So I'm, I'm, I'm no longer accepting that I have to, 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 to shrink so that I'm not seen as whatever. I'm just, I'm just going to be me and take up space. And I don't really take up a lot of space, honestly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm an observer by nature. And so I don't really take up a whole bunch of space anyway, but if, when I'm ready to take up space, I would like to do it. <laughs> wow, I was like, that's a the question, really good question. I, I was like, wow, just hearing it articulated that way. Um, before um, agreeing to do this project, I had a conversation with May Ann about how disillusioned I was about our industry and theater in New York, theater everywhere, <laughs> and um, how just frustrated and um, distrustful I felt because of what looked, what looked to me like performative promises from, from large institutions. Um, so it was it was just honestly when 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 I got the audition for this play I was like a play right now like I don't know if I can do that I was I was really scared but I read the play and I was like well that would be mighty ironic if this play about about women of color working together and um you know, fighting against their company or their institution to, you know, or, or just dealing with the messiness of that. I was, I was like, that, was be, that would be mighty ironic if this subject matter didn't also come with a process and a culture of really validating our needs as workers, because we are artists, but at the end of the day, like this is a job, right? And and you know, and we have our our unions. And <clears throat> I just, for me, it, it's a it's a hard question because I've experienced a lot of very traumatic things in the in the industry. Um, and I've I've been working in theater since I was a kid. And for me, I would say that that today like my non-negotiables are like you know i i will not be token i will not be tokenized um and 
I will not, I can't ever be in a space where I am just absolutely silenced and don't have somebody there who is a part of my community in a position of power that that can that I can navigate through the, the difficulty of that with. Um, so that's, you know, that for me is is currently the non-negotiable. <laughs> I don't get out of bed if it doesn't change culture in some way. I don't get out of bed. So um, I think coming out of that, it was so clear to me that um, our time here is so precious with each other. Um, you know, I, I spent five, year, five months of the pandemic with my family at home in Singapore. And it, it's the first time I've stayed with them for uh, that amount of time since I was 20. And so like every moment I spend here in the United States is time away from my family. I hope you are with your family right now, Jose. Um, and, and I think about like all of the things that are, you know, there's, there's a moment where Linda says something in play of like seven minutes might not be much, but they are ours. They're, they're ours. And that is what we have. We have like our breath. We have like, you know, time. That is, that is what we've been gifted for our life by whoever you think is gifting it to you. So what are we actually going to do it for? And for me, it is about being awake to each other and to ourselves. And I'm not interested in doing anything that doesn't do that. And so, you know, uh, is it often that I, that I say yes to uh, playwrights uh, who, who are Caucasian and, and European ancestry? No, um, there's, I don't. And when this came in, I started to think of like, well, how would I cast this? And how would I land this here in the United States? And as we started to get deeper in it, you know, one of the first conversations I had with Waterwell and the producers was, I think this cast has to be all of, our, of, of actors of the global majority. It has to be. Um, um, and, and they were like, really, you know, th these are kind of things that I said, you know what? Uh, don't worry, white supremacy and whiteness will be there whether or not white actors are. <laughs> we will be pushing up against that no matter what. And they were, they really heard me and they were like, do, do it, go for it. Because I, I really had a vision of like this, this play about collective action, you know, that comes from uh, the real story of a French factory has so much resonance here in all of the stories that are not told here. So the, the text actually envisions uh, immigrants uh, being against collective action because of how much they've given up to, to cross over. And one of the scholars that um, uh, Francesca and Lee who were adapting and translating the piece uh, got notes on was actually immigrants in the United States are always at the forefront of collective action. It is not true, that perception. And so I started to think about that. I started to think about like, okay, well, what are the characters that are talking about that? What are, what are the points that can actually be seen in the way we understand and the perception of immigrants and collective action that haven't been actually you know, represented by the media? How can we actually look at the stories that are real to our history that are erased constantly? 
So one of the things I knew is like, I think, you know, I was like the, the, the person who has to call us into action has to be a black woman, has to be. It's, and, and, you know, we met Elise Bryant, uh, incredible uh, president of uh, Women, Women's Labor Union. And she, she was just so powerful. She, was, uh, she really spoke to us in such a deep way. And I thought to myself, oh my God, like it's as if we cast Ebony to be Elise. <laughs> the real to the real, you know? This is not an act of imagination. This is an act of reclamation. And the way in which, you know, it's actually very carefully casted. So in terms of like who turns next and for what reason, we really thought about intersectionality and the identities of folks and how, you know, we, how, how um, what it means for uh, a South Asian to have um, a child who's also in the factory with, with her. What, what does that mean? So we really have, I think in this piece, added an immense amount of the way we're thinking about race and gender now in this moment um, to the levels of the play that are already there. And we just added so much more that are resonating um, in a way that I think is pertinent to the conversation and the zeitgeist of the moment. The humanity of each and every one of these women just like jumps from the page to the point where I was reading the script and I kept thinking, I am so worried because I want all of these women to go home and find a way to either get a massage or go binge something they like or take care of themselves because this is like one hell of a you know, thing they're getting out of. So for all of you, I'm so glad that you have community and that you have a network and that you have a space where you feel safe. But what would be, knowing what you know now, what would be your self-care um, advice, I would say, rituals that you use now that you didn't have before that you would want to share with young women who are either getting started or who haven't gotten into the performing arts because they don't know they're allowed to because they're scared of everything that they've heard about the field? Uh, I would say to find your village. I have a, a small village of, of people who are in the industry that we can just be 100% honest, we can be 100% vulnerable, and, it, and we, we hold each other for whatever the moment is whatever whatever the moment needs we i'm not i'm i'm sometimes i'm the one who's 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 catching whatever it is and then sometimes it's my friend if i need to you know do whatever um i i have i have found my village we call we when we get together we call it an iron sharpens iron meeting is what we call it <laughs> because I always leaving that leaving that fellowship I always feel I'm 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 lighter I'm encouraged I'm I'm I feel like okay we can keep going in this in this crazy industry we decided to be a part of <laughs> because we put ourselves through so much physically and and emotionally I know for me this Saying, Linda, I am worn out by the time I get home. I am like, 
worn completely out. And I just, I come home and I, you know, lately I've been like, sleep. I got one just waiting on me. As soon as this is over, I'm, I'm digging in, I'm digging in. <laughs> I have snacks, but like now it's sugary snacks. I, I just, I need something that I can just, that I enjoy so that I can relax my mind and I'll watch something silly on, on the, t on TV. I, and something that I don't have to like think to watch it. I can just, it can just be there and be there for entertainment and entertainment. So I would say for self-care for me, I would, I would find a village of, of people that you trust and that you know love you and have your back no matter what that you can that you can like bounce some things off of and move forward in in this industry oh i absolutely love this ebony and um i i am so with you i think community is so so important um i uh, actually created an online community for actors called Actors Rising. Um, I had my whole life um, since I was 18 has been really the two pillars of my life have been uh, acting um, and uh, my spiritual life. And for um, a long time, I didn't know how to navigate both of them. Uh, I would, you know, go into like a silent retreat, but then, you know, would dread having to go back on stage or to the set and didn't know how to, how to marinate the two. And I found a way, it, it eventually came together as one. And um, I feel that we actors really are, and I know this, uh, might sound uh, uh, like cultural appropriation, but we are shamans. What does a shaman do? Shaman uh, um, unites the, the, the manifest with the unmanifest, with spirit. And that's what we're doing. And that's what artists are doing in, in a way. So, you know, hopefully I'll find a better name for that or maybe somebody has an idea. But radical self-care, radical self-love, and acceptance. I think there, that's really where it starts. One of the things I see in our industry um, is that isolation. When we, when we go into character, um, those who take this serious, um, you know, something happens that is not always predictable. It can get really dark, depending on who your character is. And so we, we learn uh, from, from teachers how to get into character, but nobody teaches you how to get out of character. So I found um, uh, rituals and ways for myself because I suffered a lot from like staying in character. And for some reason in my career, I've worked with a lot of people, uh, male and female, but a lot of males actually, who committed suicide. And that really made me think how much we and society take for granted the risk 
we as performers are taking of going into another person. It is a dangerous act. It is a risky act. And the, I think the, the, the best way to deal with it is making your, your person outside of character really loved and really strong and find a village, find a community where you can be yourself and where you can come with, with everything that you are, with your light and with your dark and with, with, with everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And when this interview is over, I'm going to head over and get a nice massage. <laughs> My whole life, I've known that I wanted to act. Um, I haven't really known how to do too many other things in my life. Um, and I take this craft so seriously. Like to me, it is, it is a craft that has technique and it's, it's my job. And because so much of my identity is wrapped up in what I do in that way, it's easy to conflate work with life. And um, when the pandemic started, I really faced that. Uh, when, when industry shut down and when work stopped happening, I was like, wow, so much of how I define myself, uh, how I have my value and my worth and my stimulation is just completely wrapped up in this one thing. And not to put a value judgment on that, that's, that's fine and dandy because acting, you, you can do it. You know, you can do it without money. You can do it without producers. You can get together with people who wanna do the same thing as you and do it. But at the end of the day, it is my job. So like, I've really been learning to have boundaries with that. And, uh, you know, I love that Mayan brought up like this theme in the play of like these seven minutes being ours. And it's also, you know, a big thing that those, those seven minutes add up. I, well, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I also, I also want to say that like, I'm, I'm descendant from Filipino people and there is a long time history and current tradition of Filipino people having as much labor extracted from their bodies as possible. Even, you know, in the pandemic, we saw so how so many of the frontline workers in healthcare were Filipino women uh, working as nurses and other healthcare providers and just undervalued and overworked. And I just, I don't wanna look back at my life and only remember work. So for me, for, I try for every minute spent working I try to spend two minutes sleeping. Uh, it's the math probably doesn't math out that way, but it is very important to me that if, if I could sleep every day, all day for a week, if I have the ability to do that, I'll do that. And to, so rest, family and nature for me are especially nature because we only have so much time um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's scary what's happening to our earth and we can't take care of the earth unless we have that relationship with it. And unless we go out for those of us who can and touch the earth. So I, I love like being in nature really. Uh, and 
sleeping and spending time with family. <laughs> That's my self-care. Yes, to all of these. Um, I'd like to contribute um, that probably the greatest um, contributor to my anxiety and stress is my mind. Um, fear, anxiety, shame, all of that. It's like programmed, you know, as an, as an Asian femme, it's like, boom, there you go, welcome. Um, and I think that one of the biggest things I do for self-care is meditation and uh, study. Um, just being able to, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a teacher, wonderful teacher of Buddhist teachings recently passed. And since he passed, I've just been going deeper into the way he talks about the Heart Sutra, the way he talks about a lot of teachings. And it, I find it incredibly freeing to um, study in pieces and then be able to sort of like bring it into the way I approach the world, right? So it um, like, it, it's almost as if like I have to sit at the feet of in order to function. Um, and that, that actually has been a, a big part of my practice in the last few months. Um, and being able to sit for half an hour um, every morning with a group of people who we've been sitting together for more than a year um, at a particular time and we just sit and we do some dynamic breathing and we pull a tarot card from the Osho deck and it really sort of clarifies my intention of the day in a way that uh, is fully embodied and in community. So that's all. Ebony, Jojo, May Ann, Nicole, it has been a true pleasure and an honor to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for your words and your candor, your honesty and the work that you do uh, at Break a Leg, seven minutes runs from March 17th through April 10th. And you can find more information, including how to get tickets if you go to waterwell.org. All of that is going to be in our show notes as well. Thank you all so much for this. It has been a joy. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.